you pray for us, Carrie? Father, we thank you that you are good. Regardless of what is going on in this world and the choices people make, Father, you are good. You are sovereign. And Father, we are to be brighter as this world grows darker. Father, we ask that your spirit would be strong that conviction would fall and that we would respond that your church all over this nation would respond today and father for the churches that are under persecution today all over this world places where it is not legal to meet under your name father strengthen them may they endure Father, for those who are suffering in prison today because they refuse to deny you, encourage them today. May your word continue to go forth and be strong. Father, I thank you that many will come to know you regardless of opposition today. For your word says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are Lord. Father, as we enter this time, I pray that our hearts would be open and that our minds would be fixed on you. In Jesus' name, amen.
the hero and the coward, to the prisoner and the soldier, to the young and to the older, all who hunger, all who thirst, all the last and all the first, all the paupers and the princess, all who failed and then forgiven, all who
he's already received us into his. In my own life, it means forgiveness when I know I deserve the fall. It called me out of my darkness and carried me to the cross.
thank you, Lord, for your love. Your love that endures forever. We thank you, Father, that you laid your life down for us, Jesus. And Father, you are the only way to God, our Father. Jesus, you came and you willingly laid your life down. Your word declares that you first loved us. God, your word also declares that you formed us. And Father, you know us even before we were placed in our mother's womb. Father, by your Holy Spirit, you are drawing us to yourself. And I pray, O oh God, that we wouldn't continue to have a rebellious heart towards you. But that, Father, that we would have a surrendered heart. Knowing that no greater love than this, that a man will lay down his life for his friend. Jesus, that is what you did. You laid your life down for us that we may inherit your life, your truth, your victory over sin and death. Your word declares that those who are in Christ are now at peace with God through Jesus Christ their Lord. Pray for each one of us today, God. That we would abide in Christ. Father, that we wouldn't continue to get caught up in the temporalness of this life. But that, God, that we would have even more of a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. That our lives, God, will burn bright in a darkened world. Father, that we will proclaim the good news to the captives and that we would see them set free. Father, I thank you that you've purposed us for this generation. We're not by accident, Father. We are by divine purpose, created to do the good works in which you have called us and purposed us to do. So let us not grow weary, but let us continue to Pursue Christ above all. Persevere through trials. And obtain, Father, a victorious life in Christ. And I thank you for this, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Psalm 34, <laughs> verse 14. Turn from evil and do bad. No, that's not what it says. <laughs> Turn from evil and do good. Seek for peace or pursue peace and work hard to maintain it. Today we're going to kind of step aside from us walking through the Bible. And I want to encourage us today with a few scriptures that I've kind of just been meditating upon. And to challenge us as a group of people that are sitting in church today, in a Christian fellowship, to encourage us to live a Christian life. 
Look at what the scripture says again. To turn from evil and to do good. To seek for peace and to work hard to maintain it. Now, we've been hearing this scripture since January. And I encourage us each Sunday, are we living it? Remember, we're called not just to be hearers of the word, but to be doers of the word. Are you doing the word? Are you living out the truths of God's principles that you find in his word? His kingdom. His kingdom that cannot be shaken. His kingdom is already established. His kingdom. Nothing can overthrow him. He's God. He's God. And so yet we're called as Christians to seek him and to know that we will find him if we seek him with our whole heart. You want to turn from evil and do good? Then seek God. Because in and of ourselves, we can't do good. No matter how hard we try or how religious we try to be, in and of ourselves, we will always go back to the temporalness of this life to evil. And maybe it's not the extreme evil that sometimes we think of, but just evil, gossiping, backbiting, being involved with things you shouldn't be involved with. That's causing strife and division. You know, as Christians, we're to be set apart from that. We're not to cater to it. We're not to continue to give in to it. No, we are to be the standard. Because that standard has been raised up in us. So what we have freely received, we are to freely give. And so I want to ask you all, have you been this week given out the truth in which you know to be true? Sharing the gospel. Not just going along with people, but sharing the gospel with people. Sharing the good news with people. Listen, we were all born into sin. We should know this by now. All of us, every single one of us, we were born in a rebellious nature towards God's kingdom. And I know we like to blame God for everything, but as hopefully you're learning as we're going through the Bible, God is without fault. You can't blame God. There's nothing wrong with God. Because he's done all he needs to do to reveal himself and his love to his creation. It's his creation that is refusing God. Because they desire not the creator, but the created. And how crazy is that? See, when you've lived in sin, when, when you've recognized your rebellion, and then you look to what you were giving your life to compared to the Creator, you go, why would I settle for this? When He is revealing Himself to me, and His love is so great for me, why wouldn't I pursue Him as He has pursued me? Why wouldn't I receive His free gift of salvation? Why would I keep clinging to the worthless idols of this temporal world, making them, trying to make them greater than who he is? We can't. You see, yet we're all again born into sin. And that's very important. Because until you recognize 
the, the, the nature of who you truly are. You're in rebellion towards God. You will never grasp the fullness of his salvation. Like he has saved us from his wrath. Such great love has been displayed. And in that display of such great love, yet we see those who are apart from him are going to endure such great wrath. And so we need to be a people in our generation that is hungering and thirsting for the things of God so that we can declare the truth of God to people who need to hear the truth so that they would be set free. And there are going to be those people who do not want to hear the truth. They want to remain satisfied with the temporalness of this life, with the created things, and that is their choice. We don't hate them. We don't despise them. We don't yell and scream at them. They have a right to live however they want to live. If they desire the created things of this world, then that's what they want. Then shake the dust off your feet and you keep moving on. There's work to be done. As Christians, we are to be kingdom-minded. His kingdom come. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's how we are to be living. That's how we're to be maturing. That's how we're to be growing up into the things of God, doing His will day in and day out. So if I ask you, what did your week look like or two weeks look like since the last time I've seen you? Have you been doing the will of your Father? If not, something is wrong. And you should repent. You don't beat, beat yourself up and play the weird condemnation and shame game. No, you just realize, I've done wrong. Father, forgive me. And He's quickly to forgive. He's quickly to restore He's quickly to, to pull you up out of the mire, clean you off, and set you on your way again. But repentance is vital to a believer's life. And it's not just a one-time little prayer. It's every single day that you recognize that within you, there's a war taking place against the flesh and the spirit. But you must remember that greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. Christ in you is enough for you to keep you from sinning. To keep you from going your way, settling for the temporal things, just getting caught up in the chaos of, of the craziness of life. No, you are pulled up out of it. Do you see yourself victorious? Because if you, how you see yourself is how you live. If I just keep seeing myself as a sinful man, if I just keep seeing myself as, as, uh, as this or as that, and I'm just settling for that image, then that's how I'll live. What is your identity? As a believer, if you're sitting here today and you're calling yourself as a believer, your identity is in Christ. So it's in Christ. You're learning who he was, how he lived, and knowing that he has empowered you to do what is right. To turn from evil and to do good. To seek for peace and to work hard to maintain it. Did you sleep peacefully last night? 
Did you have a peaceful two weeks? And if you didn't, I would ask why. And the reality is if I sit down with you and I ask you why, what we will find out is that you live how you wanted to live by the thoughts in which you were thinking. Did you hear that? It's your choice to do right or to do wrong. To live for God or to live for self. To trust in God or to trust in others. Or even to trust in yourself. See, when you recognize that, wait a minute, my life is against God. I don't want to live that way. So God, in and of myself, I can't change myself. But God, you can. You can transform me. Because remember what the Bible says. How does he change us? By the renewing of the mind, by changing the way we think. That's how he transforms us. That's how he can take, a, and I'll just use me as an example, but you think of your own self. I mean, since the young age, thinking I was a gay man, I was attracted to the opposite sex, I was bound by perversion, I was bound by drugs, I was bound by alcohol, I was bound by such self insecurities and, and putting myself down constantly and then giving myself to anyone or to everyone just to feel loved because I came from a broken home and then being told all of my life that God hated me that I was nothing but a faggot and that's all I would ever be and being put down Bullied at school. And then having to act out, act crazy, just to get attention. Just thriving, trying to seek some sense of hope, some sense of love. Turning to the occult, turning to the darkest things of this world. And all along, God pursuing me. And the same with you. All along, God is pursuing you. And when he steps in, when he steps in and you get a glimpse of his love, when you just get a, a, an understanding of, of his great love towards you, everything else can't compare to that, you all. No matter how hard you fight and you strive to find acceptance in this world, you never will. No matter how you give in to your cravings inside, because what does the Bible says? Where does sin come from? It comes from, from the desires that are from within. To live differently than how God has purposed and planned for your life. God did not purpose me to be a gay man. God did not purpose me to be an alcoholic. God did not purpose me to be a drug abuser. God did not purpose me to be an abuser. God did not purpose me to be a victim. God did not purpose me to be bound by insecurities. And God did not purpose for me to live a destructive life. But for many years, that's what I chose. Because I was stiff-arming God. Are you stiff-arming God? 
Do you have your hands against him and telling him you're not God? Oh, we ought not to be living that way. Especially living that way and then pretending we're Christians. That's the craziness. The very people who were telling me that God hated me was the very people who were holding a form of religion, thinking they were somewhat holy, and yet they were so far from God. They were so far from God, but they had good church attendance. (laughs) They showed up, but they were empty. They were lost. They had no life. They had no hope because they were miserable. Do you know Christians that way? Well, they're not Christians. Understand that. So many times there's a lot of people who are blaming the church. And they're not blaming the church. (laughs) What they're doing is they're allowing religious people to keep them from God. They're choosing to believe And those who say they represent him, in reality they don't. And so they reject God. And in reality what they ought to be seeing is that those are the people that God rejected. The religious crowd. Jesus did not tolerate the religious crowd. Those were the ones he confronted. He exposed them for who they were. Your little lives, meaning nothing. In fact, he called them the the children of the devil. And yet he was humbled himself to serve the lost, to serve the dying and the sick, to serve those who were confused and hopeless. He came to reveal himself to them. To us, God sent Jesus into this world because he so loved the world. He so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever would believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And this is what I'm encouraging us today in. To live in the understanding that you were created for eternal things, not for temporal things. There's nothing on this earth that's going to satisfy you. Oh, you may think you're satisfied for a moment. But then there's going to be a greater hunger for it even more. And before you know it, it's going to consume you. And before you know it, you're going to be further from God instead of closer to God. God desires for us to be close to Him, to remain in fellowship with uh, with Him. But God loves you enough to turn you over to what you desire. So we cannot blame God. God loves you enough to say if you would rather settle for the created than have your fill of it. Because in the end, uh, that's all you got. 
is your feel of the created instead of your wholeness and in your relationship with your creator. To turn from evil and to do good. To seek for peace and to work hard to maintain it. Like to live a life that is honoring God in a world that is in total rebellion against God. Think about what you've seen this week in yourself and others. Rebellion is ever increasing on this earth towards God. Do you realize you live in the United States of America? A land where we used to send missionaries out into the world. A land who was thriving because we acknowledged God. But now, our land, our country, we don't acknowledge God. We're turning from Him. More and more and more. Each and every single day, Rebellion is growing even more within our country. Men and women and children are demanding their desires and not God. In fact, we have a state, California, that as soon as the governor signs this law, the church is now to remain silent. You can't talk about the hope that is found in Jesus in California. And if you do, you could be arrested or you can be fined to offer hope to people is now a part of a legal law that says you can't mention Jesus' name. You can't offer the gospel to people because it offends people. Do you realize how things are shifting and turning? Have you seen evil increasing and increasing and increasing? And do you realize how more the religious people seem to have more influence? I say, God help us. God help us. What was your reason for coming to church today? To draw close to God? To hear from God? I sure do hope it was. Because you got maybe two hours every Sunday is when I see the majority of you to hear truth. And if that truth isn't defining you, when you go out from this place, you're going to be bombarded left and right with so much junk pulling at your soul, pulling at your identity. And all that junk wants to do is to kill you. If there's anything you've heard here before, is that the flesh only knows to do one thing, and that is to die. And so we give ourselves to the very things that are out to destroy us. And it doesn't make sense. Especially when the majority of us grew up watching our families be torn apart because of great sin, because of great rebellion, because of brokenness, because of craziness. And yet, we say, maybe, you, I don't know if you've said it, but I've said it when I was younger. I'm not going to end up like them. <laughs> and yet, how did I end up? Just like them. 
It wasn't until God stepped in and said, Rob, you belong to me. Receive my love. Stop living against me. Like, receive what I have for you. And so it is with all of us. No matter what age you are, God steps in. And he's revealing himself. Do you remember the memories I shared with you? The first memories when God started reminding me as an adult of his great love for me was my memories as a child. Six, five, six, seven years old, sitting with my grandpa and him reading the Bible to me, telling me that Jesus loves me and that he's calling me to be a preacher. But I lived many years not embracing that truth. I lived many years embracing my desires. I don't want to live a life embracing my desires because those desires I know are sinful. They don't line up with who God is and the truth of his kingdom and of his purpose. See, when you get a glimpse and you realize you were called to live higher, with a higher understanding and mindset than the filth of this world. And yet we're giving ourselves to it. We just want to be accepted. We just want to be loved. Isn't that the most craziest thing? The greatest need in each of us is just to be loved, just to be accepted, just to feel like we have some sense of worth and value. That's the deep longing in all of us. And yet the one who can feel that We reject him to go our own way. And yet we should be embracing him. God, overwhelm me with your love. Help me to keep my eyes on you and not settle for the worthless things of this earth. Like in an instant, it all can be gone. I want you to think about that. The very people, the very things you're putting yourself into, hoping that they would love you, hoping that you would feel some sense of purpose or direction or comfort or pleasure, the very things you're giving yourself to can be gone in an instant. In an instant. Gone. Wiped away from this earth. Did you hear the report about that park where all those drug users went in? And they all shot up. And they all, they walked into the park and they were all at the point of almost death. They didn't go in that park thinking that they were going to die that day. They were just going into that park to get a high. Just to feel a sense of relief. And yet, what do they find? If they survived, they're just going to need another fix. (laughs) It's not until Jesus steps in and delivers us, changes the way we think. He transforms our lives. And we stay close to him. We abide in him. And you say, well, that's not popular. It's uncomfortable. Of course it is. And it's going to get even more uncomfortable. Because like I just mentioned, Pray for the Christians in California. They've got to make a decision. 
Do they go and they live by the law of the land? Or do they do like the disciples did when the disciples were told, Shut up! Stop talking about Jesus! And they say, Who are we living for? Man or God? No, we can't shut up. No, we can't shut up. We're going to talk about Jesus. And we're going to speak of the hope that he gives to the lost and the dying. That we would see captives set free from addictions, from insecurities, from perversion. And that they would live lives serving others. Isn't that most crazy? If you look at the big movements that are happening on this earth... These movements to save the planet, the movements to, to, to rescue this person or to rescue these people, or for all of this stuff that man is trying to accomplish, and yet it will never be done in their own strength. But in Christ, the greatest love of all to be displayed is that the church has been given the truth to go forth and to serve as Christ did. To serve and to think of others better than yourself. And if I asked you this question this week, or that since, since I've seen you the past two weeks, have you been serving others? Have you been thinking of others more better than yourself? And if you haven't, why haven't you? Why haven't you? Because if you're saying you're a Christian, then live like a Christian. Serve others. Well, you don't know what they did to me. You don't know what they said about me. Who cares? Who cares? You don't know how they treated me. Oh, this is so hard. Who cares? Get over your fears. Get over your insecurities. Get over all of this junk that keeps you enslaved. And trust in who God is. Trust in the one. If you're sitting here as a Christian, this is, I'm talking to you. If you're not a Christian, none of this makes sense to you. But I pray that your eyes would be open, your ears would begin to hear, and you would be set free. <laughs> to live as a Christian, to serve Christ, to love others. You ought not to look at the, 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 the world to promote love. No, be a Christian. Get out there. Serve others. Show up to school and be a good student. Show up to work and be a good employer. Show up in life and live it to the fullest. Each and every single day, serve. Meet needs that are in front of you. Pray for people. Encourage people. Love on people. And if we would do that, we would begin impacting our world because people would be like, well, why are you looking at me? Why are you doing this for me? And then you don't take credit for it. You point them to Jesus because Jesus what? Oh, you're one of those religious people. No, <laughs> I'm a follower of Christ. He changed my life. 
And as the doors open for you to minister to them, minister to them. But as soon as they put up the front that they don't want to hear anymore, respect them. But keep serving them. Jesus. He impacted this world, you all. He, he's not just a, a, a character in a book. Like he was a real man. <laughs> and as much as he was a real man, he was fully God. And he came down among his created beings to save them. And to save them from themselves. Because he knows what sin does. It destroys and so he came to set the captives free. But he doesn't force us to love him, you are, you all. He doesn't force us. He just holds his hand out and says, will you receive this love? And it's up to you. It's up to you. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I told you we're stepping out from our walkthrough of the Bible to scriptures that I just want to encourage you in that I've been meditating on. So 1 Corinthians chapter 1. <clears throat> Verse 10. It is important. Like I told you all, I've got two hours huh, with you. Each week, unless you come on Wednesdays and Fridays. But two hours to encourage you in your faith. If you're sitting here as a Christian, if you're not, then I pray that you would come to Christ so that you would be encouraged as a Christian. Because again, we just can't be hearers of the word. We have to be doers of the word. And listen, you may be saying, but I've got things inside me. I do things that, that aren't right. Okay. Well, then expose that. Listen, the church ought to be a place where people can come, no matter where they're at or what they've done, and that they can expose the fruitless deeds of darkness to be encouraged to continue in the light. Darkness can never extinguish light, but light breaks up the darkness. So we're not to be sitting here beating ourselves up or saying, oh, if they found out really who I was, they would reject me. No, one is never rejected when they're honest and they're willing to expose what's going on inside them. <coughs> Religious people reject. They stiff arm God and they stiff arm people. But the true Christian is like Christ. Those who came to Christ, who was sincere, received the fullness of who Christ was and is. Such great salvation. But those who rejected him, those who, who pushed him aside, they received what they wanted. They chose his wrath over his love. But why would we do that? Because we're afraid to talk. And we ought not to be. This is a safe place. 
You can share what's going on with you. And we'll walk through it with you. The moment that you say, I don't want you to walk through it with me. I'm going to live and be how I want to be. Well, then you go and live how you want to be. We will respect you. We will respect your choice. But we're not going to play church with you. Because if there's anything this week really God has been impressing me on, is to wake up. And cut off those who are dragging you down. <laughs> church folks that just want to play church. That's in your face, ha 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 ha, but behind your back they are devouring you. And not just you, but True Freedom Fellowship. And there's only a few among you, Rob, who are true. The rest are wolves. Look around you. There's only a few. And God has been impressing on me. Do you know why you feel so liberated this week, Rob? It's because you're not around them. I said, what? Oh, yeah. Church folks. Religious folks. People that want a form of religion but denying the power of God because they are refusing to turn from their wickedness. They're involved with stuff they ought not to be involved with. Giving themselves over and over and over to stuff that ought not to be in their lives. But all along with the hallelujah on their lips and praise God, hallelujah. And yet they're so far from God. They don't know Him. And you were really on my heart this week for the good. Because there's one thing I love about Christine. She's real. She's real. And you inspire me. I'm going to get deep here. She inspires me. Girls, look at me. You too. Your mother, let her inspire you. Her past is no longer. God is doing something in her. And what's being done in her is going to impact y'all's lives. It's going to impact your lives. She loves you dearly. And she loves God. Is she perfect? No. But she's real. She's transparent. She's not playing games. You know? That's what I love about you. You inspired me. an awakening taking place and you two don't miss it you three God has been moving and orchestrating things in your lives and you may not fully understand 
why you had to go through what you went through and why you're going through what you're going through now. But trust me, if you continue to cling to him, he's going to break through for you all. He's going to. Because the word of God says that he is faithful to complete what he has begun. And my charge for you all is don't get caught up in the craziness around you. Don't you even get caught up in it. You pull yourself up out of it and say, oh no, if everyone else wants to act crazy, ha ha, cray cray they can be. (laughs) But for me and my house, no. Because we were there once. But that's not what's holding us anymore. So I just want to encourage y'all, because y'all have been really heavy on my heart this week. For the good. Each one of you. For the good. Because I respect what where you're at and what God is doing in your life. And I, res- I respect your honesty and your openness to be real about it. I respect you, Antoinette. When you text me and you share with me the things that you're going through. You know, that takes that takes courage. You know, sweetheart, it really does. And I know you and I don't text and talk that much, but there's something about you that every time I go that pray for you, I pull up that picture you came and you showed me, love in the heart. You remember that picture you showed me? I pray for you because you're talented and you've got so much inside of here that I know that God just wants to break through. There's a discipline in you that is incredible, you know? Because each, both of you girls, have had so many obstacles against you. And trust me, y'all can be in a far the worse place. But it says something about a mother's love and a father's love. Your heavenly father, who has purposed you, who has been with you all. And he is not going to forsake you. So don't stop, you all. Keep asking questions. Keep growing. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. Because he's going to answer. Because that's his promise. And my daily walks on the beach and my daily talks and my time of worship, I say, oh God, there's something great taking place. But listen, we must wake up. We must wake up. Division has to go. Your insecurities, your weirdness, your your or everyone else has to stop. Because nothing good is going to come from it. And so when we look at the scripture here, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters. By the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. Let there be no divisions. And if you all are a part of divisiveness, you better get up out of it. Well, you don't know, but it doesn't matter. If you are acting a part of it, well, I'm just there. No. You being there is in agreement with it. Get up out of it. And say, if you're going to live a divisive life, then that is your choice. But I will not partake of it. I will not give in to it. I will not keep listening to slander. 
I will not be a part of such great strife. I will not have a part of it. Because it is not honoring my God. See, you're either living honoring God or you're not. It's your choice. But Paul here is telling the church, he's not talking to the world. He's talking to those who are saying they are Christians. He's telling them, no, this ought not be. Be of one mind. Look at this. United in thought and purpose. And our purpose here, and I've stated it over and over and over and over again, is just give people Jesus. Just give people Jesus. Well, I'm not, I'm not this. I'm not, don't, don't try to wait till you're perfect because you're not going to be perfect in this life. You're not perfect until you are with him. But while you're here, you're growing. So yes, you're going to fall. Yes, you're going to make mistakes. Yes, things are going to go wrong. But get up. Because what defines you is what leads you. As you think, so you go. And so you give people Jesus. Listen, another thing we got to deal with among this congregation is codependency. This weird, unhealthy friendships and relationships and things that go on that ought not to be. Hold each other accountable. Encourage each other. Edify each other. Build each other up. Just don't listen, because I just want to be a good listener. Your listening is not doing anything. Well, I'm going back in, in my rooms, and I'm not praying. Your prayers aren't doing anything. And you say, well, that's, that's harsh. No, it's reality. Because you're asking for answer to prayer to the lives of those that you're listening to and God is saying, you're the answer of prayer. Open up your mouth. Hold up truth to them. Hold up truth in love. They may not receive it in love, but that's okay. Because what is sown in love will reap. Kingdom principles. You have to learn about this kingdom of God in which you've been engrafted into. And the principles of the kingdom of God. It's a period of waiting. And yes, there's times to pray. And yes, there's times to warfare. Because our battle is not with flesh and blood. We're talking about a heavenly realm that we cannot see. The Bible says that we war against principalities and rulers of the air of the darkness. We cannot see. But he's given us our armor. He's given us the weapons of our warfare to demolish strongholds. And a lot of our prayers that we're praying are soulish prayers. They're birthed out of the flesh. And the flesh knows nothing of God. So your prayer life needs to be increasing. And your prayer life will increase and be effective to tear down strongholds when you are living the word out. 
You're not just a hearer, but you're a doer. You're understanding the principles of the kingdom. You're moving in that realm of wisdom and discernment. You're turning from evil and you're doing good. You're seeking for peace and you're working hard to maintain it. And you recognize that you're positioned strategically and this generation to be the light. I watched the Avengers Affinity War yesterday. I still don't know what to think of it, but I liked it. But there was a part of me that was like, oh, because the good people were dying. Not all of them, but the majority of them. And the saddest scene, oh, if you haven't seen the movie, I'm going to give it away. It's when Spider-Man dies. Tears. Everyone else is dying, but there is something about the innocence of Spider-Man. When he turns around, he says, I'm not feeling so good. And he's walking was it Captain America he was walking to? Iron Man. Iron Man. Yeah. And he's like, I'm not feeling good. And then he, he gives this little speech and oh, he fades away. And I go, oh. And they were fighting against such extreme evil. And then I was thinking about our brothers and sisters, other Christians in other parts of the world who are bearing light in the darkest places and they're dying. And there's going to be innocent Christians who are going to wake up today and they're going to die because they're Christians. And they're going to know it and they're not going to feel good. And their lives would be taken from them. And we want to play church. I say, God, help us. No, 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 please, not us. Not us. Because each of us have come from such darkness. Be the light, you all. Get out there and live. Burn bright. Be an avenger for Christ. <laughs> Put on your suit every morning. The armor of God. <laughs> Learn how to use the weapons of your warfare to demolish strongholds in your lives, in your family lives, in the lives of your city, of your street, of your schools, of your jobs. Strongholds. You say, what are strongholds? It's a thought process that people believe in that's contrary to God's truth. And God is giving you the weapon of your warfare to speak it. And to demolish it. And then for you to live it. So burn bright. But you're not going to burn bright if you're divisive. You're not going to live a Christian life if you're constantly giving in to divisiveness. And acting on it. No, because that's not how you to live. You're to be of one accord. Of one mind. Of one thought and one purpose. If you go to verse 18, 1 Corinthians, just a few verses down. The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. 
But we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. The message of the cross to those who are going towards destruction, it is foolishness to them. For many years, when true Christians used to come and try to preach the gospel to me, I thought it was foolish. Because I was on my way to be destroyed. But as soon as God revealed the message of the cross, the gospel, the resurrected Christ who defeated sin and death, I go, oh God, I surrender to your great power. You see, when I was in the world, I was in the occult. I was on the dark side of things. I used to go into rooms and believe that I could suck the evil into me. Because I just wanted to be more evil. I wanted to obtain more power. I used to believe I could put spells and different things on people. And captivate people. I thought I was tapping into great power. Until the greatest power of all stepped in. <coughs> and all that darkness had to shriek back the day that Jesus stepped in and said, today you'll live. Oh, oh, Jesus, you're real. That was my position. The pills that I was taking to kill myself dropped out of my hand. The darkness that consumed me for years and all of a sudden my hands are over my head. The very one I hated is the very one I recognized Oh, Jesus, you're real. And even in that fear, there was such love. And when I <coughs> felt such love, nothing can compare to it. I'm telling you all. I'm telling you all. Nothing can compare to his power. Nothing Wake up, wake up. Nothing can compare to such love. So yes, there are going to be people who do not want to hear what you have to say. And that is fine. Love them enough and respect them enough to let them go their way. Because remember, that's what God does. God turns us over. Oh, you want that? That's part of his wrath. Just in case you're, you're thinking his wrath is just your... your, your torture and in hell for eternity. Oh, that's part of it. But part of his wrath is he turns you over to your desires and he just lets you get your fill of them until they destroy you. Oh, you don't want him? He's fine with that. He loves you enough to say, read Romans 1. <laughs> Turn you over. You want it? Have at it. He loves us enough. So there are going to be people who will not accept Jesus. And in the day and age where Jesus is being stripped down to nothing, and day and age in which we're living, as I just told you what's happening in California, where you can't mention Christian uh, beliefs or faith to anyone, because it'll be considered hate speech. In a day and age where the church isn't preaching the true gospel and they're just preaching all this other weird stuff to tickle your fancy. 
oh, we better wake up and go, wait a minute. We're to be the Avengers of Christ. <laughs> we have a great power that is being displayed through us because all that he accomplished. And no, I'm not giving in to this. And no, I'm not giving in to that. And no, I will not partake of this. No, I'm not going to continue this way. No, I'm not going to continue just to be in agreement with you just because I just don't need to be upset with me. No, 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 no. I'm going to live for Christ. No matter what, I'm living for Jesus. I know the days are going to get harder because Jesus himself says they are. But his kingdom is greater than the temporalness of this life. And I'm putting all my eggs in his basket. I'm trusting him with everything. And if I'm wrong, oh well. I've lived a good life here on this earth. Because I didn't settle for the temporalness of this life. But I know I'm not wrong. Because this life I wouldn't have chosen to live. Such great power breaks through. Such great love reveals itself to us. And how are you responding? Are you like the ones who consider it foolish? Or are you like the ones who recognize its great power? Go to 1 Corinthians 13. As I said earlier, we're all searching for love. We're all searching to be accepted. We're all searching just to, just to be a part. A deep longing within every human being. I was talking about gangs the other day with a few guys at work. And we were just talking about how people will go and they will be initiated into gangs just to feel love, just to be part of a family. They will be beaten. And they will have to do these different rituals. Kill people, do this, do that, to prove your love and your, your commitment to the family, to the gang. And they'll take on the title and the name of the gang and this is who we are and, and you can recognize them by their colors and all that stuff. And they rule with such hard, oppressive Lives. <coughs> they, 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 they grip the communities that they're in. And they provoke fear. And yet these are what people, especially young kids, are being drawn to. Because they're not getting it from home. <laughs> God help us. Well, it's just not games. It's sex, it's drugs, it's bad attitudes, it's deep insecurities, it's all this craziness that not just our youth are facing, but adults are facing. And yet we give into it, and we are initiated into it, and it just beats us down. It provokes fear within us. It is all the craziness, and yet somehow we want to stay entrapped with it. And why? Because ultimately it brings nothing to our lives. Jesus comes to display such great love. And he says to his followers, if you're a follower of Jesus, listen up. Live as he lived. Love as he loved. 
He is God Almighty, but yet He came down to this earth as the greatest servant. He humbled Himself. You want a position of authority? Humble yourself. Serve others. Well, they're going to think I'm weak. Oh, no. <laughs> then that means you're still looking for man's approval of your life. No, you just serve others. You just love others. Because there's nothing greater than love. And not the world's <coughs> definition of love, but the very essence of love, who is Christ, Jesus. God is love. If I could speak, verse 1 of chapter 13, all the languages of the earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all the gods of all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I had to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. You see, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It, did not, it does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. That is love, you all. That is love. Are we getting it? Because you can act all religious you want. You can say, I go to church, oh, I'm a Christian. But if you don't love, you got nothing. You've got nothing. Well, wonder if these people do that to me. Wonder if you, oh, we're not talking about others, we're talking about you. Your position in life is not to gain approval of men and women. But your position is life is to know that you've already gained your Father's approval through Jesus Christ. And so you are in Christ. You're learning to live as He lived. You're learning to love as He loved. Listen, I used to be one that always ran. <laughs> I used to be the ones that would throw up the walls. I'll hurt you before you can hurt me. And I, used to, I also used to be the really insecure one <laughs> that would allow a man to beat me till I was black and blue, <laughs> but I just wanted him to love me. <laughs> I've also been the abuser. <laughs> I took on whatever form I needed to take on to, to just exist and to just be feel loved <laughs> and yet it wasn't love at all it's not till you come to Christ and you receive such great love God you love me I remember my beginning walk with God God, God you love me how could you love me 
created you. I know you. I intimately formed you. I numbered the hairs on your head. I purposed you. Oh, God. But God, all my life, I've hated you. I've ran from you. I've done horrible things. I know. That's why I'm here. To redeem you, to save you, to heal you, to teach you, and to grow you. And as he does with me, he does for you. Because he's not a respecter of person. He's formed and fashioned each one of us. He's purposed your life. Not so that you can be self-absorbed, but that you would be a bearer of his image to a dying world because you're only a foreigner here. This world is not your home. You're just walking through. You're just passing through. We're going to inherit his kingdom like he's returning. And we're going to be ushered into his presence. And so you're going to prepare yourself every single day for that moment because at any moment he can come. Lest you be like those virgins who didn't have enough oil. But then one of the other virgins that did, oh, give us some of your stuff. There are people who want to live off your faith. But living off other people's faith and getting it into heaven. <laughs> when others are taken up, you're left. <coughs> and you go, but Jesus, and he's going to say, I don't know you. <laughs> I don't know you. You worker of iniquity. No. And that final separation will occur. And then there's going to be those who are going to be living in an eternal hell of the place of torment <coughs> for eternity. And I keep challenging you all. I wish to goodness you would care about people's eternity more than you care about their temporalness. I wish to God you would wake up. Because you know when you get the call that your loved one is dead, huh, you're going to be crying like a mad person. Oh, oh, oh. And I really wish I could, it wouldn't be appropriate, but I really wish I could tell you, stop your crying. Because there's nothing that can be done now for them. You've wasted all this time, and now all of a sudden you want to cry. You ought to be weeping for them every single day instead of playing their games with them. You ought to wake up because the call is coming. You're going to walk into the room. They're going to be dead because they committed suicide. Oh, and now you want to cry. <coughs> now all of a sudden you want to care. Well, save your emotions. Of course, I can't say that. Oh, but I would love to. Because where were you in their life while they were here? Now, all of a sudden, we want to care about them. Oh, I'm just going to miss them. What did you do when they were living? Yell, curse them, go along with their weirdness, play their games with them? 
not upholding truth, not upholding love, not laying down boundaries and discipline, not telling them of Jesus, having devotional time daily as a family, talking about Jesus. You just can't be two hours on a Sunday, you all. It has to be every day. You're either influencing them for the things of this world or you're influencing them for the kingdom of God. It's been a long week. It's been a great week. But God has just been stirring me up. Oh my Lord. We don't know the time or the day or the hour in which you or your loved one will take their last breath. But as believers, we're not to be afraid of death. For many years as a kid, I was afraid of dying. But there's a scripture that says Jesus came to destroy the fear of death. Because in Christ, he's already defeated sin and death. So it has no power or hold over us. And we ought to say, Hallelujah! And we can live a free life because we're not afraid. We're not intimidated any longer. <coughs> and so we ought to be displaying that to others. And we ought to be loving them enough to tell them. Like, listen, I'm not going along that way with you anymore. And that's your choice. That's your choice. But as for me, I'm steadfast towards Christ. Here's the discipline. Here are the boundaries. I'm not partaking of all this anymore with you. If you want to live cray-cray, as I said earlier, be cray-cray. That is your choice. But by God, if you're a Christian, start living like one. Start understanding the urgency of the hour. You've got to wake up. Love is the greatest. Love is patient. Let's read this again and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It does not, it is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith. It is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. And I would beg you, take this scripture and go pray. God, teach me to be patient and kind. Teach me not to be jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Teach me not to demand my own way. Teach me not to be irritable. And oh God, help me to keep no record of being wronged. Teach me not to rejoice about injustice, but rather teach me to rejoice, rejoice whenever the truth wins out. Help me, Father, never to give up, never to lose faith. Help me to always be hopeful and help me to endure through every circumstance because I am a child of love because, God, you are love. Do you pray that way? You ought to. Start praying through Scripture. Start taking the Word of God, taking the sword in which you've been given, and start demolishing these strongholds. 
What are strongholds? Thought patterns that are contrary, that are different than the truth of God. We gotta wake up. Go to First Peter chapter one. First Peter chapter one. We're going to read a bit here. I'm going to read chapter one from verse thirteen through chapter two of verse three. First Peter. So if you haven't heard or seen the theme for today, and I, I just got a few more minutes left with you, live as a Christian. You want to know the title? If you're calling yourself a Christian, then be a Christian. <laughs> we got to wake up. <coughs> got to wake up. Have I had the opportunity of, of inviting my stepmother down to spend a week with her? And Carrie was gracious and kind one night <coughs> to send me a nice little message. And I didn't tell anyone else of what I was feeling or going through this week, being with her. It was so precious to honor my father by caring for her. And then Carrie sent me this message that really just encouraged me. She says, I see what you're doing. I didn't say anything to anybody. She says, I see you honoring your father. And that was my hope through this whole week for her. Is that she would know that she's loved. And that she's not alone. And the moments I had with her to encourage her, to love on her, you know, just, just to be there, to be present. And sometimes that's all that people need in their life. It's just for you to be present. You parents, that's all that your kids really need from you. It's just for you to be present in their life. Just let them know you care. Just let them know you love them. Instead of your harshness and, and your vileness and taking out on them the things that have happened to you. They're just innocent lives. But people just need you to be present. People just need you to, to, to love and to care. To listen. And to not to make it about yourself. How many decisions do you make each day that you're thinking of yourself first? If you're a Christian, that's not how you're to be living. <laughs> you're to honor God. Your first thought is towards Him. And then towards others. And could you imagine if we raise up a generation without understanding? Could you imagine the impact that we would have in our world? How the light would begin to expose the darkness? And that we would just begin to be people who just love? I'm sure it was very challenging for her, my Sandra, to get on a plane and come down here. She didn't know what to expect or how she would be treated. 
And she said that. But the love that you all shared, you went out of your way to get people to come Sunday just to be with me. Like that just boosted her up. And it'll carry her for a while. She slept. She used to say that she hasn't been sleeping, but she slept the whole week through the night. Could you imagine the impact that you will have on the lives of others if you would just, just show them that you care and that you love? There's a way in which we ought to be living, you all. There's a way in which we ought to be living, and this chapter gives us insight to that. So think clearly and exercise self-control. Chapter 1, verse 13. And that scripture reminds me of our scripture for the year. Turn from evil, do good. Search your peace and work hard to maintain it. You need to be able to think clearly and exercise self-control. Look forward to the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live, look at this, as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living. Look at this, to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say you must be holy because I am holy. Because remember, you are now a representative of Christ. You've been engrafted into his kingdom. If you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. There is a way in which you ought to live. It's just not about going to church and then not living as a Christian. That doesn't make you saved. <laughs> Have you accepted Jesus? Have you surrendered your life? Have you publicly made a declaration of this through baptism? Are you living a life that's representing them? Not a perfect life. But life that knows when you've done wrong to ask for forgiveness to God and to others. A life that is humbled and meek, <coughs> full of discernment and wisdom. Because look what it says there. You, did, you didn't know what you were doing before Christ. You were just doing whatever. Because where does sin come from? It comes from the desires from within. So you just did because that's what you do. But when you come to Christ, when you have a knowledge of God, you don't turn back and keep going back and keep going back and keep going back because then you're making the blood of Jesus common. And oh, God have mercy on you. Woo! God have mercy. I know we like to have our excuses while we keep going back. Oh, but God's not playing. You can't fool God. But it looks better back over here. Oh, I'm just having a bad day, so I'm going to give myself the right to be nasty. Oh, but I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, I'm going to be nasty again. Oh, but God, I'm sorry. I'm going to be nasty. Who plays that weird game? Who? Not people who are in Christ. 
No, the reality is when you mess up, you go, oh, God, you see it for what it is. God, that's ugly. And it's in me. Oh, God, I'm sorry. And you're to have a repentance, a genuine repentance. Not because your hand got caught in the cookie jar and like, oh, I'm sorry. But as soon as everyone turns their back, you're right back in it. No, that's not, <laughs> repentance is a turning away from. You're cutting it off. Like you want it out of your body. God, forgive me. Take it, Jesus. What keeps you going back? You better deal with it. And you better deal with it quickly. Because if you keep making his blood common, the Bible in Hebrew says, there's no way back. Because what other sacrifice is going to be made for you? And you've already made his blood so common it means nothing to you. Remember, the Bible says do not live a life that grieves the Holy Spirit. Because <laughs> remember, he's given us a deposit. Unless you don't know this. <laughs> If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you haven't received a deposit, a person within you, the Holy Spirit, who you've been given, who is your counsel, who is your guide, who is your comforter, he's your teacher. It's not going to work out if you're disrespecting him, and you're living a foolish life, defaming him in his power. Because everyone else knows this is the way you go to church, go to church, go to church. But they see no evidence of anything in your life. Oh, but say hallelujah. Like the scripture on Facebook. Post a godly little saying. And it means nothing. Because you're living a life that mocks God. And that's why the scripture says here, you are to be holy as I am holy. And that is not man's standard. That's God's standard. And you say, but I can never. You're right. You never will. That's why you need him. That's why each and every single day and throughout the day, you say, Jesus, I'm yours. I know, God, I'm being pressed in on every side. But, Father, your word says that I will be pressed, but I will not be crushed. So, Father, I'm going to keep walking. So you just got to keep speaking. Life. This is life. This is life. You know why you keep going back? Because <laughs> you're not feasting off the word. Listen, every Sunday I dish you up. Gilda dishes you the physical food. And it's good and yummy. But I dish you up a two-hour course. <laughs> That's feeding something deep within inside you. You can choose to put the plate aside. That's your choice. I'm not going to force you to eat it. But if you start eating what you're being served, as the food that you eat, that Gilda prepares, it nourishes the physical body. Take the physical food away from you, what happens to the physical body? It dies. So it is with the spiritual food. 
pushing it aside. Ah, I don't need it. That's for Michelle. That's for Doreen. Not them eat it. Oh, you're not going to be laughing <laughs> when your last breath is taken. <coughs> and Jesus says, you did nothing with what I gave you. Nothing. People say, well, I don't feel change. Nothing, and death must not work. Because you didn't apply anything. You were just a hearer of the word. Not a doer. Oh, you didn't encourage yourself happy. For someone who battles and has battled extremely with depression and anxiety and panic attacks. <laughs> what gets me up is this word of God. The word of life. Who's like to say, oh, no, no, not today. Ah! And you can begin to, to declare truth over your life. And when your mind is being bombarded, the peace of God can come upon you. And you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. See, you, you begin to find nuggets of truth in the living word. The Bible is called the living word. It's just not a little text of good night book story. No stories, no. It's the living word. You want your life to be impacted and changed? You want to get up over yourself? Get in the word. And just don't get in it. How do I live it? Remember I told you in the beginning of my walk with Christ, I would say, God, who am I now? How am I to live? I only know one way to go, God. So I had to eat this. You need to eat this. You need to grow. How do I face the challenges I'm facing? How do I face the roadblocks where it seems every door is slamming before me? How do I face financial crisis? How do I face health issues? How do I face emotional issues? How do I deal with these desires that are from within? He wants to show you. That's why he's called you. And in the call and in showing you, you're going to burn bright so that others will see and say, I remember... You used to be this way. What on earth has gotten into you? You're different. Your circumstances haven't changed, but you're different. You can say, oh, it's nothing of me. It's all of Jesus. Jesus, yes, Jesus, has changed my life. And again, they're going to be open to hear, or they're going to be like, oh, okay, whatever. But either way, it doesn't change who you are. It goes on, and remember that the Heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of Him during your time as foreigners in the land. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver. It was with the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world begun. But he's now revealed him to you in these last days. Through Christ, through who? Christ, you have come to trust in God. 
and you have placed your faith and hope in God because He's raised Christ from the dead and gave Him great glory. Look at this, verse 22. Highlight it. Copy it. Paste it. You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth, so now you must show sincere love to each other's to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. With all your heart. Wow. For you have been, look at this, born again. But not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life, listen to this, will last forever. Because it comes from the eternal living word of God. As the scriptures say, people are like grass. Their beauty is like a flower in the field. The grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of the Lord remains forever. And that word is the good news that was preached to you. So get rid of all evil behavior. <laughs> Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and unkind speech. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for nourishment now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. Cry out to grow up. We're all at different walks. But if you're still a babe in Christ, if you're still new to this, that doesn't give you the right to keep making a fool of him. All it does is give you an understanding that you needed more nourishment. Like, God, I don't know how else to live, so God, I know I need to draw closer to you. I know I'm not going to be able to catch up on my shows or catch up on my friends. Oh, because God, I need to draw close to you. You're going to have to start reprioritizing your life. Because what's more important? Let your children see you sitting down with the Bible open with a notepad. Let them see you praying. And then invite them in. <laughs> Let others begin to see this transformation taking place. It's funny. It's funny. People say, oh, they're Christian. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, my grandma, my uncle, my grandma, my mama, my dad, they're Christian. And yet they're the most rudest, nastiest people you can meet. Stop putting the label Christian on people who aren't Christian. And that ought to be a word for the church in this generation. We gotta stop calling people Christians that aren't Christians. Because it's confusing people. Especially when they hear the gospel being preached, they go, well, well, why are you taking it so serious? <laughs> oh, look at this life. They say they're a Christian. They got it easy. I don't want that. That's too extreme. But Jesus himself said, you're going to have to consider the cost. Just don't jump on the bandwagon to be my follower. You better consider the cost because it's going to cost you everything. Where's that being preached? No, no, just don't come running to the altar or, or calling yourself a Christian or saying, oh God, I accept you prayer. 
when you don't mean it. When you don't mean it. Oh, but they're good people. They follow all the rules and laws. <laughs> well, that's all they got is rules and laws. But remember, before you can deal with anyone else's log in their eye, deal with the plank that is in yours. <laughs> you better look at yourself. Are you a Christian? That's the question today. Are you a Christian? Then if so, live like one. If not, why not? Why aren't you a Christian? Let's just get real. Let's just tear away the mask and all the weirdness and just be real. Look at yourself. Are you a Christian? Understand the responsibility and the weight of that calling. Because your life is to be impacting this world. Remember, you're an avenger for Christ. <laughs> Suit up. Get out there in your schools, in your jobs, in your communities. And be a light in your own home. Be a light. And put away all of this foolishness. And crave truth. God, equip me. God, prepare me. God, I'm not equipped. God, this is still in my life. Oh, God, here it is. I'm giving it to you. God, I don't want to pick it back up. I don't want to be like a dog going back to its vomit, lapping it up. I don't want to be a pig that gets cleaned off and it goes right back into the mud. God, why do I keep going back? God, I want truth. I, I, reveal it to me. Listen, you all. Let the word of God get deep within you and let it pull up all of that junk. Why from a young age, God, was I bound by perversion? Why from a young age did I start drinking? Why, did, why was I hurt? And why did I want to hurt others? Why did I wrestle with all these insecurities? I don't want to be a man and still wrestle. With those insecurities. Like you just got to get real with God. Same chapter. Well actually. Yeah chapter 2 now. I'm just going to read 9 through 12. But you are not like that. People who are refusing God. For you are a chosen people. A royal priest. A holy nation. God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I'm reading through verse 12. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you receive God's mercy. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wages war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then, even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. 
There is a way in which we are to live. Go to Revelation chapter 3, verse 15 through 22. And this is where we're closing today. Revelation chapter 3. Yeah, verse 15 through 22. There is a way in which we ought to be living. And I want to be honest with you all. I enjoy my new life in Christ. I enjoy, even though I fought it for many years, the call of being a pastor to shepherd people. I genuinely care for each of you. But what I don't want to keep doing is having to walk up these steps every Sunday and dreading it. We're a few people. We're a few people. And yet we have so much to give to impact the world around us. But some, sometimes it's really hard to be like, oh God. It's like talking to a wall. Because everybody's all over the place. But I get up every Sunday, even though there's times where I'm like, I just would rather not even go. Because <laughs> what's the use? And then God corrects me. In and of myself, I wouldn't be doing this. <laughs> And none of myself, I, 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 the stress is not even worth it. But in Christ it is. In Christ it's worth coming up. And hopefully at least once hearing it. If not two. If not three. And you're out there making an impact. I told you this last week. I, I've enjoyed it. It's my first time in maybe ten years. I enjoyed myself. I enjoyed being with fame. Sunday was amazing. I enjoyed having people over just with a common reality of just being together. Throughout the week, just, just enjoying my time. But reality is, is serving Christ Loving on others, serving others, it's not pleasurable work. That's the reality. Because people will love to devour you. People will always talk bad about the church. People will always talk bad about each other. It all not to be. But, unfortunately, the Bible tells us that the wheat and the tares, they grow together. The sheep and the wolves are among each other, no matter what church you're sitting in. And so when he says, Rob, get up today and take the staff, your sword, and beat back the wolves. Attack the principalities and rulers in the air of the darkness with truth. And I'll do an awakening among the people.
I asked you earlier, why did you come today? I'm glad you're here. <laughs> but what was your motives? Oh, because, you know, I had to come because my mom said so. <laughs> well, that all not to be a motive. <laughs> you ought to come just to say, well, if mom's willing to come, I'm going to come too. And if she's here and I'm listening too. And for others, what's your motive? What got you up? Hopefully it's not just to do another religious activity. But hopefully you have a hunger and a thirst. An awakening of the things of God. And then don't remain where you are. Begin to put steps to it. I know it's going to be scary. I know it's going to be uncomfortable. But just like I've got to get up each day. And put on the armor. And declare the goodness of God. And to get out, rather it's here, rather it's at work, or rather it's just out in the community and be a light. It's not easy. Especially when everything is screaming at you. And waging war against your soul. You've got to grow up to push back. And so you've got to start putting feet to this, you all. You've got to start putting hands to this. You've got to start allowing it to become who you are. Because how sad it is to come to church and never really meet the Christ in which the church is built on. <laughs> how sad. Because the church is the body. She's the bride of Christ. And he loves the church. He loves her. He gave his life for her. What an incredible love story. No greater love story from Genesis to Revelation can ever be penned. God himself inspired men to pen his love story. No greater love story. So I pray that you're encouraged today to get up. Look at yourself in the mirror. And don't turn away and forget what you saw. But allow your looking really reflect what's inside you. And then respond to that. Like, God, I need you. And that's just not a one-time prayer. That's every day. God, I'm facing this challenge. God, I'm facing that challenge. God knows our hearts. And as we close in Revelation, this is a letter to the church. I know all the things, this is Jesus' words. I know all the things you do. That you're neither hot or cold. I wish you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So I advise you to buy gold from me. Gold that has been purified by fire. That you will be rich. Also buy white garments from me. So you will not be ashamed by your nakedness. And ointment for your eyes. So you will be able to see. Look what he says here. I correct and discipline everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. 
Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. This church thought they had it together. But Jesus is saying, I know your works. And you're lukewarm. You just show up. Nothing else is happening. Oh, you think you're rich. But you have nothing. Because you're far from me. Look what he says here. I correct and discipline everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. Turn from your ways. Look, I stand at the door and I knock. And that's what he's doing. He's knocking today. He's not kicking down the door and forcing you to love him. God is not like that. God is knocking. He's saying, listen, I've been with you since you breathed your first breath. And I'll be revealing myself to you constantly until you take your last breath. But in between this time and space, receive me. Let me in. That's all he says. Let me in. And if you open the door, I'm going to come in. And there's this beautiful picture of intimacy. We're going to share a meal as friends. That sense of belonging is only found in Christ. Stop trying to find it everywhere else, you all. In Christ, He loves us so much. Remember, the scripture says, His will is that none will perish. He doesn't want anyone to perish. But He's not going to force you to love Him. He's not going to force you to follow Him. He'll keep speaking to you and speaking to you and speaking to you and speaking to you and speaking to you you until you're standing before him. And then you look and you go, and you have no, that's it. You can't make a decision then. (laughs) To some, he will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. To others, he will say, I don't know you. (laughs) You've chosen what you wanted. And it wasn't me. Don't end up like those people, you all. Receive Jesus. And it's just simple. It's not any hard. You say, how do I receive Jesus? Surrender. God, I don't want to continue to live a life apart from you. I recognize you as the true and living God, the Son of God. You died for me. You were resurrected. Such great love for me to receive. I don't have to clean myself up because you already know me. And in coming to you, I know that you will clean me up. (laughs) And I know every day is a day of life that I'm to be surrendered to you. You just confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. And you believe it. And your belief transforms you.
into his image. And then daily you live as a Christian. And then if you accept him, then you make the bold declaration of being baptized. And if you haven't been baptized, I pray that you make that decision. That you understand what it truly means to be a follower of Christ and you come to that place of declaring to the world, I belong to Christ. I am now dead to myself as you go under the water and I'm raised up into Christ. It's just a symbol of the new birth because you're born again and you live differently. So if you're a Christian, live as a Christian. And if you're not, I would implore you to come to Christ today. Receive His great love for you. I'm going to close this with this last song. And then I'll close this in prayer. Is it okay if I say something? Yeah. I may not, may not be able to record it. Um, if it's being recorded. I just won't use names. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm not going to stop the recording. Okay. Yeah, when I, I was listening downstairs. You know, to the first part of this. Yeah. And then... The beginning of the week, <laughs> I got a phone call... saying, you know, one of my grandkids was, you know, maybe just, you know, kind of misplaced. <laughs> and so I, you know, I tried to make sure everything was okay. In my flesh, I ended up calling, you know, my department and saying, hey, this is what I need you to do. Long the short of it, they, you know, they materialized. Um, that was on Tuesday. On Friday, I get a call from someone that works where I work at. In a, in a different position and said, can you stop, start praying? Um, because we have someone in the bathroom that is overdosed and we thought it was a male, but it ends up being a female. Don't know, rescues are rolling, but you know, they were all just texting, can you pray, can you pray, can you pray? And so I left and I went, you know, I kind of walked, did what they asked me to do. And um, then on Friday, um, how old is he? 13. Okay, well, Kylie's is 11. Um, and I get a call from my agency saying that uh, a, a little 11-year-old had taken his life, you know, through that. And, um, the, you know, people responding were, um, you know, they get on scene, they're having issues, they're calling for the, you know, the team to come in to, you know, do the counseling part, and I, I'm only saying this because, and in in one week, my heart was breaking, and you know, and I kind of stayed myself when I'm when I'm praying and kind of doing what I got to do to just kind of keep myself while I'm talking to the other you know uh, officers and stuff like that. But my I kept wondering, did it, oh, and after the one there up the street, there's a there's a young man they cordoned off. Econ at 50. And there was a young man there that's always pretty much strung out. And uh, ended up, they found him, you know, unresponsive in the river. So we're talking three people, um, four individuals, different situations, nothing, you know, real. I, rem 
with the call. I was in training and I thought, you know, I'm not going to panic. I'm just going to give it to you and pray. And I knew that he would come through with the one in the bathroom. I was like, please, please, please don't let her go. You know, I don't know the issues with that one as of yet. The young man in the river, of course, we know. And then the, the little one that did what he did. But in, in a one week, in just this one little area, you, you know, did anybody reach them? Did anybody get to them? Did anybody get to these individuals and say, my God, you know, it's not that bad. We can walk you through this. We can do what we need to do. The young man at the, at the, at the bus stop, I know Brent has stopped a couple of times and said, come on, man, let's get you some food and, you know, try to get him something to eat and that. But, you know, what, what, he has, what Rob is saying is, is so important because we pass by people every day, you know, and, yeah, they may not look the part. And maybe they're doing this over here, and maybe they're in a different lifestyle and stuff. But when you, when you have an 11-year-old do what he, he did, and, or she did, either way, I'm not giving gender, um, you have a young man who is battling addiction. You have a young girl who people are thinking is not a girl until we see the name and we realize it. What are we doing? You know, do we know? Do we sit there and, and are we bold in our walk? Will people, and, and I'm not tooting my own horn because people are calling to say, pray, 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 pray. What I am saying is, did anybody stop and talk to them? Did anybody reach them? Did anybody say, hey, look, there's something, you know, I just want to let you know that I love you enough that, you know, no matter what they look like, no matter what they're going through, because our last breath, like he said, will come out. It will suck out. And, and, the, and the young people who are, you know, I'm, I'm, that are disrespecting parents and, 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 and elders and, and just doing what, like Rob says, doing what they're doing, and, and, and us as parents, as, as, as individuals, disrespecting the word, the, 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 the shepherd, the, the staff, you know, in one week, three individuals, actually four people, do they really know how much we love them, even if they're not lovely? Even if they don't? When I have to go and go meet the, the team that has to talk to the cops that are in, you know, going into scenes like that and meet with them because everybody is stressed out and, I, and, and we have to get together and sit down and reason with it on a Saturday morning. You know, we have to listen to what he's saying. And he may, it may offend us. It may, it may make me mad on some occasion, you know, what he says and that, may, because it's conviction. Has nothing, it's, it's, it's conviction. So I'm not telling y'all this story to say, hey, look what happened during the week. But I'm telling you, it's one week in, in one area. What's going on in the rest of the neighborhoods in the world? You know, what, what, are, we, what are we missing here to where... We always ask God break our heart for what breaks yours, but we just throw that out there. And then when things start happening, do we really, we gotta be really careful what we ask for because it will break you and it will break your heart. And when I was text back saying everything's okay with, with my personal situation, I had to go for a walk and just, like, I had to walk away from my training. I had to leave training and say, I, I gotta go. I just gotta go walk for a few minutes. And thank them that you know that, that the, the grandchild's parent was okay, and that they were okay, and know that 
at any day we could get a phone call, like you said over here. Um, any day we could be somewhere and not know when that's going to come, you know. But are we really walking around in a, out here and, and reflecting Jesus and really doing what you have asked us, you know, that God has asked you to ask us to do? You know, and, and life is real out here, and it's it's getting a little crazier every day. You know, and, and I just, I appreciate you letting me say in that, mm -hmm. but I just, my point was just saying, in one week, in one, whatever the size is from that street to our street to over here to over here, three people. You know, thank you. Mm -hmm.
And as you speak 